Welcome back, Nexus Church family online, to another week in our series, Fear Not. In this series, we're looking at the three times in the Christmas story where an angel appears to someone and says the infamous words, Fear Not. Now, last time when we were together, we discussed this, this angel appearing to a teenage girl named Mary. And we examined from this this wonderful depiction of Gabriel, the angel, interacting with this young girl and calling her out to greatness. And we discussed how, in fact, we all are called to greatness. However, we all have a fear, a fear of what God is calling us to. And in fact, we don't need to be afraid because in our weakness, truly, he is strong. And we need to live into that. We need to live into the calling that God has put on our lives and be obedient. Now this week we're looking at the counterpart to that story, that being her to-be-husband, that is Joseph. And we're going to examine this, this thought of what others think of me. That fear that we place upon other people, that what will they think? What will they say? What will they do if? We all have something in our lives that we can look to and say, I don't think I can do it because of whomever. And so let's take a look at this thought of what others think of me. Let me begin by asking this question, what defines you? I think this is really where the root of the problem lies within every single one of us. What defines you? What do you put value in? Is it on what kind of car you drive or house you own or clothes you wear or the phone you have? Is it maybe something else? Maybe is it your GPA or being known as the good kid or the good employee? Or maybe for others like myself, it is being the best at what you do. The bottom line is, or the common denominator maybe you want to call it if you're an educated one, is that every one of these things that define a person it all is based upon our perception of how we look to others, isn't it? At the core of who you are, there, there is this important aspect of you. How do I look? It's something that we all struggle with. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person or that, that God doesn't love you or, or whatever it might be that you get hung up on. It's the reality of how we are. We all place value in something. And that becomes who we are and how we portray ourselves to others. It could be something as silly as being the class clown. How many kids that I've worked with over the years that they're defined by being goofy and being silly and having people laugh at them. And so if, if people aren't laughing at them, they feel like something is wrong. But that's a dangerous place. Because then we start looking at our values is being determined by someone other than God. And whether it's your class, 
family, your church, or even yourself. Your value isn't determined by what others think, but by what God thinks. We need to take a look at that. It's, it's, it's a dangerous place. You, you see, I understand this because my whole life has been determined by my GPA. Me being better than somebody else in a sport, whether it was baseball or in racing, I was always wanting to be better than others. And if I wasn't the best, if I didn't do better than others, if I didn't raise up in that company faster than others, if I didn't have the, the best growing church, I didn't have to have the biggest church, but I wanted to be known as the largest growing church, the most percentage of growth. I wanted to be the healthy church. And healthy churches grow, right? Like that's what they always tell you. Healthy churches grow. Healthy things grow. Dead things fall apart and go backwards. And so my whole life has been determined by this and it's been a dangerous thing, especially when I entered into ministry by comparing myself to what others are doing. It's basing my value on other people. And it, and it honestly has been a hard venture to come out of in trying to find who am I? What does God say I am? And, and not only understanding that my value is in Jesus, but actually owning that and letting it be reality and being okay that I'm not the best. That's hard. And so whatever that is for you, whatever you determine as important in your life, that is where your value is. And it's dangerous. Because when we start fearing what others think of us and placing value in that, when you don't rise up, and eventually you won't, eventually you'll look around and, and people will forget you. When you get to that point, it's a crisis. It's a crisis in your identity. We don't want that. We don't want to be afraid of what other people think. We want to be confident in who we are as followers of Christ. And so we don't want that today. And so we're going to look at the story of Joseph and this angel appearing to Joseph. And we're going to see whether or not he allowed God to direct his life and finding his identity in Christ or allowing what others of him and allowing them to be determined because he had a choice to make he had a massive choice to make and it was dangerous it could have cost him so much and he could have been afraid of what others thought and so i want to take a look at this this is found in matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 25 not a very big section but there is a lot of power behind it if we could Examine it and apply it in our own life. So let's read. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Groundbreaking right there, right? So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, publicly decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because 
what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. This is fascinating. Think about this now. If Joseph would say yes, if he would follow through on this, as the text doesn't say this, but we know that according to that tradition, he would be condoning a massive sin. This was considered adultery. What Mary was going through, we talked about this a lot in the previous message in this series, but, but Mary would be in all respects dead if she was found to have a son before she was married. That was adultery. Now, even though they couldn't pinpoint who it was that she had this sexual relationship with, they were firm on what the action should be towards her. Death. Immediate death. And so Joseph, he, he condoned this. He allowed this. And if it was found out, which of course it would be eventually, he knew that he could lose everything. Like he would be considered unholy according to Jewish traditions. And if you want to read into this, uh, we can look at John chapter 8 verses 2 through 5 and I'll let you go through there uh, yourself. But this was about a prostitute who when the religious elite brought, him to Je- or brought her to Jesus, they said, she should be stoned. What do you say, Jesus? You know, they were trying to do all that framing to get him to be excommunicated and kicked out of the Jewish tradition. But Jesus, of course, said, you who have the first sin, throw the rock to kill her. And of course they couldn't because they knew they were all sinners, right? But this was the tradition of the day. A person who was caught as an adulterer, as one who had had a relationship out of this foundation of marriage, which she was well into and almost fulfilled all the steps to the marriage agreement. Now, this goes back to when she was even barely able to understand what any of this meant. She was already arranged to have this marriage. And so here she is, well into it, understanding the implications of what was to happen in Joseph had to say yes or no to the angel. Right? He, he intended, he loved her so much that before the angel appeared and, and when she was found to have this, he was secretly going to divorce her. He didn't want to do any harm. He loved her that much. And even that in itself was risky, right? Like if somebody found out that he knew how things all shook out, he could have been still 
removed from his career, from his society. He could have been removed from the church, which was everything to them, right? That was, that was their community. It all centered around the church. He could have been excommunicated from all he knew. But then God said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Don't be afraid. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. This could ruin my entire life, my career, my relationship with my family, my connection to God, everything. This is on the line. I'm afraid. But don't be afraid, Joseph, the angel says. Because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Well, that's not really helpful, right? That's still confusing. She'll give birth to a son, and you're going to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. For centuries, for centuries, you can read throughout the Old Testament over and over, it was predicted that the Messiah was to come and to save Israel. They were waiting for their Messiah. And now God the Father was moving and he was sending his son, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. And he chose Mary to be the one to bring it to fruition. And Joseph, he had the decision to make. Would he support God's move? Would he be obedient to what God said? Or would he let others dictate the fear of others, the fear of God? Which one? Which one? Listen closely to this thought. See how true it is for you. Becoming obsessed with what people think of you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks of you. Yet, flip that around. This is what we want to focus on today. Becoming obsessed with what God thinks about you is the quickest way to forget what people think about you. What's more important? What God thinks? What people think? Maybe, maybe it seems more applicable to your current situation or things on earth that we let what others peop other people think. But truly, for all of eternity, the only thing that matters is what God thinks. If you focus on what God thinks, if you let your mind dwell upon how God moves and how God performs miracles and always provides becomes apparent that his ways are good. His ways never fail. Pleasing God, though, often means disappointing people, doesn't it? And so with our remaining time today, I would like to determine what it means to live for God's approval. And the first thing that 
we must understand is that in order to live for God's approval, we must be willing to obey. You see, <laughs> extraordinary acts of God often begin with ordinary acts of obedience from you, from I. For both Mary and Joseph, there was so much ambiguity, wasn't there? There, there was so much that just didn't know. I mean, obviously, logic would tell you that they're going to lose their family. They're going to lose everything in their community. Their, their relationship with God was going to be drastically impacted because they couldn't go back to the temple anymore. Like, this was all natural reactions to what their decisions were. Joseph could have said no to that. It would have been so easy for him to say no to that. But he was willing be obedient but with God you're, you don't under, have to understand completely to obey immediately and I think that's what we see more than anything else in this story is they, they didn't fully understand the situation it, it didn't make sense to them I mean <laughs> come on let's be real we're, we're, we're talking about their child being both fully God and fully man. How does that happen? That's never been done before. How in the world does the Holy Spirit come in and fill you and impregnate you? Like, that doesn't make sense. But you don't have to fully understand to be obedient. It's faith. Again, we all have faith in something. Will we place it in fear? Will we place it in God and trust Him? We have a choice. We have a choice. We don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. And the last point that I want to make about living for God's approval, and this one's a, a hard one to stomach, but this is a guarantee in Scripture. And we'll go through a couple of passages just to flesh it out a little bit today. But if you're going to live for God, if you're going to find his approval, if you're going to experience the favor of God, which God spoke down to upon Mary, O favored one of the Most High, if we want favor from God, we must be willing to experience adversity. I mean, Mary and Joseph experienced adversity, right? Not only did they, no matter how much their community welcomed them, there was guaranteed people in their community that spoke behind their backs, said mean things to their face, wouldn't be friends with them anymore, family members that rejected them and didn't fully understand. And we know that the, the family never fully understand because they came to him at times and said silly things that totally contradicted who Jesus was. Of all people, they should have been the ones that fully supported him. But of course, when you're living for God and his approval, you will experience adversity. They experience adversity. And not only did they experience it at the hands of their family and friends, they had to run for their lives. 
If you continue reading this story, you will know that, that Herod heard about this birth of the Messiah and he got threatened. And so he sent these wise men to go and find the Messiah. And when they didn't return to him because the angel spoke to them, go home a different way, don't go back to that man, he sent out the armies and they slaughtered all of the children that were of Jesus' age and younger. But we know that God spoke in that dream again. And what did they do? They hightailed it for Egypt. They had to live as foreigners in a land that, remember the Old Testament, where they were slaves. Jesus went back to where the Israelites were slaves. And unfortunately, he didn't get to go back to his hometown and be around family. Right? The angel spoke to them and said, go to a different place. Go to Nazareth and raise your child there. So they didn't even get to go back home to their family. They raised their family in a different town. And of course, we know that, that Joseph wasn't around for all of Jesus' life. We never hear of him again after that. Other than we know that he went to the temple and they lost Jesus on the way. We don't hear of Joseph again. He had some kind of premature death. And then Mary, of course, has to experience seeing her son being tortured and ridiculed and mocked and ultimately die in front of her. Like, there's nothing worse than seeing your own child die. You must be willing to experience adversity for God. It's part of who we are. Listen to these passages. I'm just going to read three of them for you. You can do your own search on adversity or experiencing trials or tribulations, whatever you want to put in there. There's so many scriptures, but I think three will be enough to get the point home. 2 Timothy 3.13 says, All who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Pretty straightforward. John 15, 19 through 20, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. If you were of the world, if you, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. If you were to follow the ways of our nation and do whatever you feel like you should do, if you could do any sins that's contrary to the Bible, the world would love you. Drink it up, party it up, do whatever you want, take advantage of people. It's the American way. That's what capitalism is, is taking advantage of others so that you could profit. I mean, not downplaying capitalism. There's not a good political uh, structure in this world. It's all evil because it's not from God. God alone is the kingdom we serve. But if you were of this world, they would welcome you. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chose you out of it, the world hates you. Remember the word I spoke to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. It's a promise. If you call yourself a follower of Christ, you will experience adversity, period. And then lastly, maybe the New Testament is enough. You need something from the Old Testament. How about Psalm 34, 19? One who is righteous has many adversities. You will experience hardship but notice but the lord rescues him from them all he's with you he doesn't just check out check out and say 
you're on your own now, buddy. Good luck. But you have to understand, if you're not ready for adversity because of your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God. Say that again. If you're not ready for adversity because of your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God. You guaranteed will experience adversity. The enemy hates you. The enemy hated Jesus so much that he was constantly trying to send forces to dethrone Jesus from this earth. He didn't want Jesus here. He knew what was at stake. And he knows what's at stake if you are shining your light for Jesus. He's going to throw everything at you. You're going to experience adversity until you back down and say, nope, I'm not anymore. He hates the truth. He hates the light. He hates God. So you have to understand, you're going to experience adversity. But here's also something we know from Scripture and in life in general. The greater the pain, the greater the impact. The greater the pain, the greater the impact you will have. As Mary and Joseph wonderfully depicted, we give our best to what we value. you're going to have a great impact if you continue to put forth your greatest value, Jesus. I love verse 24 in Matthew 1. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. Joseph valued the opinion of God over the opinion of and today, as we end our time together, I want, to, I want you to consider what you value most. What do you value most? What others think of you, what you look like, your grades, how good you are compared to other people, what your house looks like compared to other people. Does it matter? Does it matter? Because truly your actions reflect your values. So whatever you are doing, understand it's reflecting what you really care about inside. If you care about Jesus, is what you do on a daily basis reflective of your obedience and your love for Jesus? God's got great plans for you. I want to encourage you today that he has great plans for you and simply it is on your shoulders to say yes to him. You will experience adversity, yes. That is a guarantee in scripture. However, God is with you and he will walk next to you every step of the way. He loves you. He doesn't want you to fail. But you have to be willing to give him control and say yes. Say yes to what he says yes to you. So, Father, I pray for every person listening today that you will strengthen them, encourage them, 
that you will give them comfort, Father, in this season. I know this is the holiday season, the Christmas season, where we celebrate the greatest gift ever given. And I pray that we, every single one of us, will truly receive that gift, say yes to you, and live for you. I pray that every person cares about what you think over what others think. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Nexus Church family, for joining us today, and we'll see you again real soon.